Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Marlboro Free Libraries podcast, the story of Marlboro, the past, present, and the future. My name is Lindsay, and I'm the adult services librarian at the Marlboro Free Library. Just some background for those tuning in for the first time. This project is funded by a Libraries Transforming Communities grant awarded to the library by the American Library Association. One of our goals in receiving this grant is to highlight and work together with local businesses in our community. Through community conversations with local business owners in Marlboro, which was part of this grant project, we realized that one way we could support our local business owners is by highlighting their stories through a podcast and as a new tour on our Discover Marlboro app. Our podcast features the individual stories of business owners in Marlboro who participated in this grant project and their insights on how the library can partner with its local business community. Tune in each week to listen as we interview a different business owner around town to hear the story of their business, why they got started, why did they choose Marlboro, their thoughts on collaborations with their local libraries, and to learn more about our small town. For more information on our Discover Marlboro app, visit marlborolibrary.org. We hope you enjoy these interviews. I'm excited to be interviewing Jess Brush, who is owner of Brush Textiles here in Marlboro. So thank you, Jess, so much for joining us and letting us interview you. Of course. I'm super excited to be part of this. Great. Thank you. So for those who don't know about your business or new to the area or listening from afar. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. Um, so I live right here in Marlboro and um, my company is Brush Textiles. It's a hand block printed uh, fabric company where um, everything's made in Jaipur in India and I design all of the prints. Um, they carve out all of the blocks and they hand mix all of the colors and dyes and then they hand print everything. And so everything there and I import a ready-made product um, and it's all homewares. I'm kind of branching out a little bit into wearables, but um, it's mostly I do quilts, duvet covers, tablecloths, napkins, all the all the things you need for your home. Very cool. When did you get started? Um, I would say I started about five years ago. Um, my then boyfriend and I, now fiance. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, we had gone to India. We were planning a trip to go on a vacation and I had just left a really long-term job. Um, so I was super open to finding my next thing and I really wanted to you know, start my own project and work for myself. Um, so I started it then. I had just left and we went to India and I was we went to a block printing factory like most tourists do. Um, somebody kind of just guides you and brings you into their friend's jewelry designing store or wherever. Um, and we ended up in a block printing factory and I was obsessed with it. And um, I just decided then and there that that's, I wanted to do that. And uh, when I came home, I just kind of talked to people who I knew, who kind of knew somebody and it just all connected and I found a broker. And so I've just been doing it ever since then. What did you do before you started this? Um, I was working for a local lifestyle magazine. Um, it's called Visit Vortex. I was there for a long time. It was really fun. Um, I learned a lot working for them because that was probably like uh, 
the most responsibility I've had, I had had in a job. And I started pretty young. I think I started working there when I was like 19. Um, and I was there for five years. So I learned how to do sales and I really learned how to talk to people. I think, you know, at that age, it's kind of hard, um, to be your own person and hold your own in a conversation. So that's, I was doing that. I was doing sales for them. And I think it really changed, honestly, how I work today and who I am. I feel like every job that you have along the way, somehow it helps totally. you in the long run. Yeah. So I saw on your website that you said um, on, that you continued creating as a hobby after high school, but never saw a future in it. What were your plans for your future originally? What did you think you would be doing? Oh my gosh, it's really kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but okay. So, um, well, first the non-embarrassing part growing up, I was super interested in art. Okay. Um, I was really into fashion and I was super into ceramics and drawing and painting and photography. Um, that's really what I gravitated towards in school and I did best at. But after high school, um, my, I didn't grow up with a lot of money and I didn't have a college fund or anything like that. Um, and so it was either go into major debt or choose a career path that I would be making money in. Um, so I came up with the novel idea of becoming um, a dental hygienist, which okay. is so not me. Um, I love every dental hygienist I've ever met and ever had. But, and, you know, you make a decent amount of money doing that, I guess, but I just all of a sudden switched gears into science, which was really hard, but really interesting. Um, so I had gone to Hudson Valley Community College up in Troy for a year. Um, and then I just, I had a brief time not going to school because I was waiting to get accepted into the program. And then when I got accepted, I was dating my boyfriend at the time, Lee, whose parents on the Falcon um, and they're a very creative family. And Lee really pushed me to not go. He was like, don't go, <laughs> don't go back to school. What are you doing? It's so not you. And so I didn't. And then I ended up working for Visit Vortex and that's how it all began. So are you from the Hudson Valley originally? Yeah, so I grew up um, in Accord Okay. which is about an hour from here and my parents are both from Accord and their parents are both from Accord and it's like very deep roots in Accord um and then I just I mean I think every single one of my family members was from there I got my genealogy done at the local church and it was kind of embarrassing because every single family member was born and raised in Accord <laughs> even me <laughs> I so. feel like Hudson Valley families have a lot of roots. It's where they, so in the town true. That they grew. Yes, it's really small town. No, I have generations in, from Kingston, so I understand. Oh that. yeah, you get it. It's the same. And um, I ended up moving to Marlboro because this is where Lee has a recording studio here and his parents have the Falcon. So um, it's just a really nice town for us to be in. I love Marlboro. It's a great little town. It definitely has that small town charm to it. Definitely. So you said that you decided not to go back to school and that you had a lot of support with that decision. What encouraged you finally that there could be a future in 
creating after all? Um, honestly, meeting Lee, he, because that's what he was doing. He's been a musician his whole life. Um, and he's always been really good about saving money. And he's just, he was a perfect example of you can do art and you can do something you really like and you can make a living off of it. And he was always very much pushing me to do something that I really loved. Even, I mean, when I was working at Visit Vortex, it was a creative job, but it wasn't my, you know, my dream job. Um, and he was pushing me to choose a path that made me happier and was really encouraging me and made me feel secure about not staying there and, and quitting my job and not having an income for a moment in time and doing something more creative. And so he really pushed me to do it because I saw him as an example and all of our friends too are the same way. It's great to have that one person that really pushes you and totally and get, oh my gosh. To explore yourself. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you went on a trip with your uh, at the time boyfriend to India and a lot of inspiration uh, for your business came from that trip. Can you tell us more about the trip? Yeah, so um, the trip was really funny because uh, Lee and I like to go on some sort of major vacation every year, obviously pre-COVID. And we had made that trip. Um, we had the weeks blocked off because Lee's a musician. So uh, we just block off a week usually in the year. And then as it gets closer, we're like, okay, let's go to this place. And so it, that kind of happened and we picked India and we went to India and we had absolutely no idea what we were getting into. It's not the easiest place to travel ever. <laughs> it's complicated, um, just such a different culture. And we had traveled all over Asia previously, but this was just next level um, <laughs> confusion. And you just have to really be on your toes, but it was, it was just so above and beyond beautiful. And we were just kind of going with the flow and we ended up in Jaipur um, from Delhi. And it was my favorite city that we had gone to. It's really well known for their arts. So there's a lot of artisans there. And the other thing about India is that because it's a caste system, people normally grow up and they do the same thing that their parents do. So say that your parent is a jeweler, their kids are gonna start learning that craft when they're you know, eight years old and they grow up and they do it. And by the time they're in their thirties, they're an absolute master of the craft because they've been doing it their whole life. And so in Jaipur, you just saw that on such a huge scale. And we were just seeing all of this amazing art going on uh, on levels that like you don't see here at all and so when we had gone to the block printing company I mean the factory it was shocking it was seriously shocking and they always tell you any factory you go in they always say that they make for anthropology <laughs> it's just <laughs> like a thing and so of course this factory said that and I was just like oh my goodness this is crazy how did we end up in this factory um but it's just you watch them it's really hard to describe what block printing is to somebody without showing them so basically they take a, a hand carved piece of wood that has a design on it they dip it into a die then they press it onto the fabric continually so it just creates this 
pattern that is almost like a puzzle. And so every color of the print has a different block. Um, there's a video of this on my website. It's much easier if you just watch the video. Sure. Um, anyway, so we were watching that happen and it's amazing. It's with such precision, they're so quick. You just can't even believe it. So that's when we were there, I was just like, this is what I want to do. I need this in my life. So for those that don't know, what is your website? So it's brushtextiles.com. Um, that's where I sell all of my stuff. And then I also sell on Instagram and which is brush textiles. Okay. And then I sell at a couple stores throughout the Hudson Valley. I sell at Dish in Hudson, New York. Okay. Um, the Parcel Flower Co. in Cold Spring. And another store called MVN Designed, which is owned by this amazing interior designer, Michael Van Nort in Uptown Kingston. Nice. Okay. How do you come up with a design and envision its layout? Like, how do you choose the product that it's going to go on? So um, usually, I mean, so I've just been changing out my colors since I started, um, just because the process of carving out blocks is a process and changing colors really changes up the whole vibe and look of a pattern. But when I design a pattern, um, when I first started and today, something that really inspires me um, is tile work. And so I will normally use a large square and draw out some sort of a design on the square. And then I scan it in to the computer and I turn it like four different ways. So it kind of creates what it would be like if you were laying down um, tiling. So that creates like this large pattern that has a lot of different corners and special little nooks and crannies and into the patterns. And then I just kind of create the colors based on things that inspire me like um, old magazines. I look through a lot of old magazines. I look at a lot of old clothing, like uh, vintage clothing from the 60s and 70s but also like Louis the 14th Marie Antoinette colors are so beautiful, like pastel pinks and aquas and jewel tones. So I kind of reference both of those. And I basically just make product that I think is going to sell and that people continuously ask me to make. So in my last order, I made um, bags, which was a new thing for me. Okay. And I made new size tablecloths and I made placemats. So I just kind of change it up a little bit depending do, on what people want. Do you find you get a lot of custom orders? I don't like to do custom orders because it's complicated sometimes ordering from another country. And I don't like to give promises that maybe I can't keep. Okay. That's, <laughs> um, that's reasonable enough. Yeah. So I'm, I, um, I don't take custom orders. Okay. What is it like working with another country? It's complicated. Um, it's really fun and it is exciting. It's definitely never boring. I'm never bored doing this, um, but it's complicated. Um, I also work, uh, I co-own a store in Cold Spring and we design most of the clothes. It's called Swing. Okay. But everything's made in the garment district and that's about an hour away from our store. And we'll get things in 
that are incorrect, we have to send it back, blah, blah, blah. So imagine that, but from another country and also it takes like three weeks to arrive here. Okay. Um, so it's just, com- it's really complicated because I'm not there in person, obviously. Um, before COVID, I did go to India to work on things in person, which I really wanted to last year. And obviously I would love to this year, but it's really bad there right now. And so that's not going to happen. And it's, I mean, I think you can just kind of imagine trying to work so far away from your factory. A lot of things kind of slip through the cracks that you feel like were maybe obvious to you, but in hindsight, we're not like where to put a care label or um, what kind of stitching you should use on specific products, you know, uh, so that is always the problem. It's always right, an yeah. obvious thing. You have to be super explicit. Are you updated along the way on the process of your, your designs? I am, um, but not as, I just wish so badly that there was a way that I could be going there at least once a year. These last two years have been really rough trying to get my orders in because it's constant communication in photos and tweaking and like drawing out how something should look as opposed to how it does look. Um, trying to explain, you know, why a care label needs to be one inch smaller or one inch to the left. It's, it's just been complicated. <laughs> I bet. I bet. One, one thing this last year taught us is that it's great to have all this communication over online, but it, it gets hard. Something always falls through the cracks. Definitely. Definitely. And it's just not the same. No. Not as fun. No. Yeah. There's something about that hands-on aspect too. Yeah. Is, is there anything that's easier than that you thought it would be? Um, I mean, I think just getting through it in general, like having a whole order come, it, it's just step by step, you know, first I make the order, I tell them the quantities and it just like continuously goes and we chip away at this process until finally I have this huge pallet of 30 boxes of stuff at my house. And whenever it arrives, you know, to me, just like, I was there for all the steps, obviously, but someone on the outside is like, wow, how are you able to do that? How did you figure out how to import stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not really that hard. You just kind of slowly go through it and then it arrives (laughs) eventually. How did you actually find the company that you were going to work with over there? Um, So my old landlord, who is a good friend of ours, um, she has a company where she does importing okay. uh, from Indonesia. And so I asked her if she knew anybody. She connected me with somebody in England. And then he connected me with somebody in India. And then they connected me with my amazing broker. Her name is Deepa. And um, she has a jewelry company. And she just loves art and textiles. And she's very similar to me. Um, so I just it was just like people who know people and now I I love her and her husband works consistently with this one factory so that's the factory that we use okay can you tell us what it's like to be a business owner here in Marlboro um yes definitely so I it's different for me because I don't have a brick and mortar or a storefront here in Marlboro um but 
I, I see also what it's like owning the Falcon. And I personally, I love Marlboro. I think it's a great home base. It's really close to the city. It's easy to get on the throughway, um, but it's also not too far where you can drive up to Hudson and you can go north. So because of the fact that I don't have a brick and mortar, the things that are important for me with owning a business in Marlboro is how easy it is to get everywhere. It's just a really central town. And I love being able to go to the bakery in the morning and talk to Antoinette and get a, a latte and go to Frank. So I think there's just like really sweet little details about Marlboro while I'm working. I can go enjoy them and it's easy for me to get anywhere really. I think for people that don't know Marlboro, um, it's very much a small town where everybody knows each other and mm -hmm. it's a really great aspect of the town. Definitely. Do you think you'll ever open up a, a storefront in town? Um, you know, if the right storefront opened up, probably. I find my life to be a little bit um, busy and complicated to nail down hours, specific hours. So I probably wouldn't be there as much as I would like to. Um, but I would definitely be open to the idea of doing it. Yeah, maybe one day, maybe it'll maybe. be a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Hudson Valley and uh, specifically Marlboro has played a part in influencing your design work? Um, I would say yes. Uh, Marlboro is beautiful. The back, that's the other thing about Marlboro is that people drive through 9W and they think that's only Marlboro. Um, they don't even go up towards the bakery, you know, but the back roads of Marlboro are so beautiful. It looks like you're in another country. Um, and I would say being able to just kind of escape a little bit in this town um, and having a house that's really quiet and serene, um, but also being able to have Lee's parents by us and go to the Falcon and enjoy the amenities. Um, I would say it does affect me in that way. Also having space, you know, you're able to have a house with a backyard and storage um, and everything. So I keep all of my textiles here. They're in my house <laughs> because I have the space to do it. And there's a lot of them. Um, so that's something I really like about living in Marlboro is being able to spread out and have space and also like kind of escape and enjoy the outdoors at the same time. I feel like that space is also have to help your creativity too rather than oh my being gosh. definitely it I mean I don't know I don't I haven't even thought about that before like not having space <laughs> it's just not an option no so I, I know I find myself often a lot explaining to people that just have only driven through Mar uh, Marlboro and not have really stopped in that Marlboro is a lot more than just what you see along 9w it's it's got Definitely. spacious hills. It's got really uh, unique and interesting history. There's so much more to Marlboro than just than what you see initially. There's so much. I mean, the wineries, that's the number one thing that I tell people too. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, they don't really know much about Marlboro. And I'm like, well, you can go on a day long wine tour to all these different wineries and they're all amazing. And everybody that works there is great. And no one knows that. Everybody's mm -hmm. shocked. I know most people are when they hear all that Marlboro has to offer. Yeah, it's crazy. So one of the things that the library did during the pandemic was uh, we had this focus in mind too about 
sharing with people the history of Marlboro. Uh, so we created an app called the Discover Marlboro app. And um, we have a historical walking tour on it and it features local history pictures and write-ups of points of interest in town. Um, but we recently got a grant to use the app to highlight our local businesses, which uh, this podcast series is a part of. So how do you think the library can support local businesses with using something like this app? Well, I mean, if I came to Marlboro and I didn't know this town, I would download that app instantly. I, the idea of going on a walking tour, a history walking tour of a town is very interesting to me. I would love that. And then, I mean, obviously the business should be on there so that you know what you can do at night and where you can go have lunch and, you know, um, the different places that you can visit while you're in Marlboro. So I just think it, it only makes sense to have it in the same app and have, have an app to offer to people. Because again, as we're just saying, people don't know. People don't know a lot about Marlboro at all. So I think it's just, it's totally helpful. And I think it helps too. The library can really be a, a great resource, you know, with people coming from out of town, stopping in to just get information or to oh use the gosh, bathroom. So, it's a great yes, meeting point to- Definitely. To, how do you think local business owners can benefit from utilizing their local libraries? So the library, as I said before, um, just is a free space for people to be able to go and check out what's going on in their town. Um, and I just feel like it's really easy and it's a welcoming place too. You know, people don't feel intimidated by going into the library and just being able to go there and talk to a real person or have them tell you to download the app and check out what's going on in town. Um, I think it's just kind of like, you help us, we help you type of thing, you know? Just spreading the word about what's going on and what to do in town and businesses and all that jazz. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people have a misconception of, of what the library can do for them nowadays. And, you know, we're a lot more than just books. We can be a great resource, whether it's just coming in for a conversation or, or what, but from those conversations, we can get a better feel and, and get the information out better to our communities. For sure. And I, I, the number one thing that I feel about the library too, is that people just feel safe going there. You know, it's not, there's no, it's not a judgment zone and, and anybody can go there. You can go there. If you don't have a car, you just walk and everybody is super knowledgeable. And I have to say, I love the Marble Library. Every time I go, everyone is so helpful and there's all I'm always kind of like surprised by a book you guys have or something that you guys share with me and we have friends who actually just moved to Marlboro from the city and they were just telling me they just got library cards and they're like oh my gosh the Marlboro library is so amazing and they really? ordered my books in two days and they told me about this other thing did you know about this thing in Marlboro I was just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> we try to be as helpful as we can be. So that's great to hear. Yeah. So for our final question, do you have any future plans for your business that you'd like to share with us? Um, well, currently I do, I just placed another order. Um, I am almost completely sold out. All of a sudden this summer, people are really shopping and upgrading their home. <laughs> so um, I just placed another order yesterday so that should be coming in a couple of months and um, 
I just plan on growing the business and continue to do wholesale to other stores and um, selling right here from my house in Marlboro. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for sharing with us your journey and, and your thoughts on Marlboro. This is of great course. to sit down and talk with you. Yeah, you too. It was really lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you so much, Jess. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the story of Marlboro, the past, present, and the future. 